He's going for the corner. He's got it. Caught by Boston College. I don't believe it. It's a touchdown. Eagles win it. And the kick is blocked. Appalachian State has stunned the college football world. James, the lateral. Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Welcome to another episode of Walk on Red Shirts podcast. As always, I am your host, Aaron, and with me, my co-host, Jake and intern Gibble. Uh, another two weeks have gone by since we last recorded and still nothing has really changed. Uh, how are you guys doing? I found out today it's been 36 days since I've been to a bar and that's kind of depressing. I like that you had, did you like mark that on a calendar or something? No, somebody told me that today that it's been 36 days and I lost track at like nine or 10. Jesus. People that keep track of that, it's, I mean, you're insane. Uh, I got kind of let that just float away. I can't think about the stuff like that. Yeah, you're just setting yourself up for depression when you think about that stuff. Exactly. The PBR. Also, I mean, I've. PBR is going through the house built, really fast. Uh, Jesus. Spending a whole stimulus check on that job. I probably should. <laughs> you could spend like a quarter of it and you'd be set for almost a year. Do you know PBR makes a six and a half percent beer? No, but I want uh, it. No, it's but fantastic. I don't care. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, well, good for you. Uh, <laughs> and your dumb, dumb beer. Um, yeah, but I mean, well, some of us, some of us just have taken the time to build our own home bar, and now we don't miss going to the bar. So, um, take that, I guess. Uh, anyway, uh, it's NFL draft week. Uh, if you haven't been keeping up with our Twitter, um, we will be doing a special episode, uh, myself and intern Gibble here, uh, that will drop Wednesday morning for the NFL draft coverage. Uh, if you have draft, um, questions, feel free to submit them. You can send them either if you're on our Slack, which I'll let Jake promote in a second, uh, or Twitter page. Um, and Intern Gibble is going to learn a lot about the draft in this, and it'll be entertaining. You guys voted him into the episode, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But I will be doing a mock draft as well as answering questions, uh, give some background information, some guys I really like that might be uh, lower picks and stuff like that as well. Um, so probably be about an hour long, but uh, we'll run that. That'll drop Wednesday. Um Later in the week, obviously, the draft is on Thursday night, uh, so look for that as well. Um, can't wait to teach intern Gibble some stuff about uh, some of these prospects. That should be entertaining. Uh, and maybe he'll have some fun facts or anything like that. We'll see um, when that time comes around. Um, so are you looking forward to that, intern Gibble? Sure. I think I'm going to learn things. I don't know. You're, you're going to learn players' names. <laughs> yeah. Pronunciation is what I can't do. <laughs> My favorite is the over under three. Who? Yeah. Oh, that's that's super low. Whoever set that? Yeah. Hammer that. That's like, not a not a good. How many line. picks are there? Like sixty. So, um, uh, 
Yeah, 64. Yeah, um, so set that at like half of them. <laughs> folks, yeah. Folks voted round. for... Yeah. Yeah. Folks voted for trades, um, but going through it, I have to not to do trades. Instead, I'm just going to give you guys two rounds. Uh, second round will kind of fly by. I have more uh, analysis for the first round of selections and that uh, written down, which means that there likely will be a trade between now and Wednesday morning when it drops to kind of screw me. But um, second round, we'll kind of fly through uh, a little bit more uh, touch on some stuff, but uh, look for that in a couple days. Otherwise uh, here on the college football front, uh, intern Gibble, what kind of news do you have for us? Well, we'll start off with a little bit of transfer portal news here. Um, the defensive end from Mississippi State that was offended by Mike Leach's tweet is officially transferring to Florida State. Um, so he made that decision pretty quickly there within like two weeks. Um, we also have defensive end William Bradley King uh, transferring from Arkansas State to Baylor. Um, that should be a good move for him. And we have JT Daniels entering the transfer portal. It's probably the most interesting one here. Um, Obviously, he was injured last season and sort of lost the starting job to Keaton Slovis. Um, Not that JT Daniels was playing poorly, but there's a couple different potential landing spots for him. Um, I think ones we've talked about the most are LSU uh, potentially staying on the West Coast with maybe Stanford or Washington, um, depending on their situations. People have also been throwing around Penn State, Michigan. Can't really think of too many others. Where Where do you guys think? basically basically any big time yeah. uh, <laughs> program that uh, doesn't have a solid starter? Which Which yeah. location do you guys think is the most ideal for him and the program? Um. I mentioned Stanford the other day just because that was uh, a high. Um, that was one of the the schools that was getting crystal ball projections during his recruitment um, outside of USC, one of the higher percentages there. Uh, obviously, they have Davis Mills there right now, um, but it also keeps him in California on the West Coast, um, inside the Pac-12, obviously, as well. Uh, but I think that's a favorite. It's really it's hard. The, the, he was the number three quarterback prospect a couple years ago in the same class that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were in, um, right behind those guys. So he's a super talented, uh, super talented quarterback. Um, so I feel like a lot of teams are going to go after him. But at the same time, a lot of these teams also have highly rated quarterback recruits of their own. So you risk, you know, maybe uh, upsetting some of those guys. Uh, and the process as well. So uh, it, it's really hard to say, uh, especially if you're narrowing it down to, you know, west of the Mississippi and stuff like that. So um, it'll be interesting. I'm not entirely sure who Texas has after Sam Ellinger. Uh, you could throw that one in there as a possibility, I guess. Uh, that'd be kind of funny, uh, fun to see. Um, so I, I'm not entirely sure, but Stanford was just looking at his recruiting profile. The the first one I kind of keyed in on, especially with K, you know, KJ Costello having left uh, this past season as well. I think right now Washington is one of the favorites for me just because you saw Easton left. Uh, you know, he'll be a top two round pick so they can use that to try to sell him as well. So I think Washington, especially if he can play this year, 
or whenever the next college football season is that that gives a benefit. He has to sit out a year. I like the idea of Texas because again, I don't really know who they had after him, but at least he'll have a year to be under the belt under Tom Herman and you know the offensive system there and should go into the next year as you know essentially the favorite to start. But again, that all does base on when he's eligible to play. Uh, LSU came up, but they seem pretty high on Miles Brennan, so I can't imagine he'd go in there to go into a highly you know contested battle and then potentially lose to a guy that's got two years of eligibility left as well. And I agree, I don't think he's coming east of the Mississippi. I don't think he's going to Michigan, Penn State. I don't think any of those schools really interest him. Uh, I think Utah is an interesting option. Keeps him in the Pac-12 a little bit more east than probably what he would like to go. But Utah has done well with lower rated prospects lately and they've started gaining some momentum the last couple of years so i think utah could be an interesting option i'm not fully sure what their quarterback situation is like right now but they did just lose um oh, what, what was their quarterback's name last year tower yes huntley they did just lose huntley so you know there is a position open there it's not an established starter right now yeah i I didn't even think about Texas, but I like that as uh, assuming he won't be eligible this year. I think Texas really likes Sam Ellinger. He's a he's a highly he's a highly rated uh, recruited quarterback, so he'll he'll get an exemption. <laughs> That's the way this yeah, works. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're a five star. You want to go play somewhere different? Okay. Justin Fields, Tate Martell. <laughs> yeah. You know. But yep. if it's if it's a medical issue, no, no, you must sit. Or going home yep. to family. Or just a, no, Luke a no-name offensive lineman. You yeah. Know. Too yeah. bad. <laughs> oh. oh, you want to go play for Virginia Tech? Too bad. Not a big enough program for us. Not high profile. <laughs> Doesn't give us the <laughs> PR. Yeah. They don't get the ratings we need. Yeah. <laughs> NCAA is a great organization. <laughs> Gotta love them, man. If I love them, I mean, you absolutely don't <laughs> have to love them. No. Uh, uh, you know, speaking of them and Virginia Tech, uh, Virginia Tech just got uh, seventh year player Justice Reed. He's a defensive end, uh, played for Florida. He had to sit out two years because of injuries. Uh, so he's been granted extra years of eligibility. Um, so he's going to be playing with Virginia tech this season. Um, he's going to be the fifth player to have a seventh season of eligibility. So that's a wild, wild stat. You don't see people like that every day, except for, you know, JT Barrett doing it a million times. (laughs) Dude's going to be older than Brandon Whedon when he gets out of college. He was part of the 2014 recruiting class. (laughs) Yeah. Good Lord. Absolutely wild. (sighs) All right, and sticking with the NCAA, uh, they have also decided to waive the standardized te- standardized test score requirement for incoming freshman student athletes in both D1 and D2 programs for the 2020 to 2021 academic year uh, because of the coronavirus. Um, so basically, like anybody who would have to take uh, the ACTs and the, the standardized, te- standardized tests, um, the minimum grade requirements you wouldn't have to worry about so if you would have to retake them in the past this time you don't just because of the coronavirus kind of throwing everything off kilter um in that whole area 
And our last bit of news, uh, everybody needs to watch out for Alabama and Nick Saban because he is finally entering the modern era and getting an email and learning how to text. So that just makes his recruiting strategy even more dangerous because he can actually, you know, text people. Wait until he gets TikTok. Oh, gosh. He... Nick Saban is a head football coach at the University of Alabama. He has an email already. He doesn't know how this to is, use it. This is, this is such a bullshit story. <laughs> I mean, that's that's my stance on it. Uh, throw it in the trash. Apparently, his <laughs> wife was running it for him. And yeah, I was going to say, he, he has one, yeah. but... Yeah, I mean, yeah, so he had one, but like now that now that uh, quarantine started, his wife said, I'm not doing this for you anymore. You need to run your own email account. So she he had to Miss Terry was over it. Yeah. He also was on a video Uh, chat with. uh, I think it was Maria Hill and. She yeah, they I don't know how he learned how to video chat so quickly. Miss Terry signed up for him. Maria Taylor. Whoops. (laughs) <laughs> nice jesus yeah <sighs> i'm great with names right. this is why i'll be great on the draft episode <laughs> yeah it's it's gonna be electric everybody <laughs> uh all right anything else nope that's all we got in the news uh nope that's a lie gus duggerton oh, jesus gus duggerton <laughs> is the last bit of news we got <laughs> the gus the coach doug saga officially announced his Signing with USC last night. Uh, Going to be the offensive coordinator there. That's all we got. Uh, yeah. I mean, he coached a, a Heisman winner at Florida State in the previous year. Uh, the more entertaining aspect of this, this whole Coach Doug's thing, and we're really just touching on it because the whole college football world is touching on it as well, um, including actual uh fiesta bowl twitter accounts um and actual uh football program twitter accounts but uh that has been a pretty fun saga to kind of uh follow over there especially with there being a real life coach doug's uh (laughs) adding into it um but yeah anyway uh wait one more thing is that did you notice the online saga where people are creating fake uh player accounts for their ncaa 14 profiles Oh yeah, I mean it all. That all kind of stemmed down the tree from the Coach Doug's thing, uh, and now did you see the Northern Illinois coach sent a guy a message saying that that he didn't actually offer him a scholarship? I saw that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, (laughs) this is what quarantine's doing to everybody. Um, and hey, good for you if you can, um find stuff like this to kind of keep you occupied. Uh, it is pretty fun. So the Northern Illinois coach mm. was not having it. And then he realized it was all, you know, a game and said he wasn't allowed to comment, even though it was a player from 2014. <laughs> I mean, I just don't under like, he's the only person in the college football world, not playing into this. Uh, and it's a bad look in all honesty. So, uh, if you're a Northern Illinois fan, shame on whatever that guy's name is. Uh, <laughs> he needs well, to get an email address uh, like Nick Saban did. 
probably um, needs to stay off the Twitter machine. Um, any other news? No, that is officially it. All right. Uh, so this past weekend we did a little um, watch along, uh, and with it we had a little trivia, um, somewhat sponsored, and a giveaway uh, with uh, Smack Pearl. Uh, Jake, I'll let you take it away. Um, yeah, for Adrian. We tried to figure out how many Heisman winners Gibble could name, and surprisingly, without any help, what was it end up being? Eighteen or nineteen? Uh, somewhere in that region, yeah. Yeah, you absolutely shocked everybody. And Bobby, I don't know Bobby's last name, but Bobby won an Oregon t-shirt via Smack Apparel, so he's getting a straight out of Eugene shirt sent to him. Yeah, well, I'm going to get you some uh, apparel, but I'm going to get you stuff of teams that you hate. Oh no! <laughs> I was looking. There's a. I was looking at their website. You know, when you go to the website and want to buy a shirt, like part of Norvell Nation, right for you, Folsom. Use promo code Walk On and get twenty percent off your next order, Folsom disgusting norvell nation fast norvell nation you, you need some new shirts for quarantine Ugh. wait till you come out with some nice summer apparel you know we can get some nice sucks to be you shirts uh gibble they have a new day shirt in there if you want to wear a whiteout shirt when we go to the whiteout that we got invited to a tailgate and get you a nice I, whiteout t-shirt i will always wear red you know they, they've got some great gibble, gibble needs a new shirt he needs to throw that urban legends one in a freaking garbage can <laughs> Had that from like a year now they were quick to hop on the Houston bandwagon and uh, Houston has all sorts of Houston as a fraud shirts. Oh, remember when you couldn't remember Baker Mayfield's name, Gibble? You can get one that has Baker's name on it three times. So that way you'll never forget. Oh, that's good. That's helpful. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that way you'll never Perfect. forget his name. But go to smackapparel.com, use promo code walk on, get 20% off your next order. All right. Oh, uh, Let's go ahead and get into our draft for this week. Uh, this week we're tackling wide receivers, uh, going to the offensive side of the ball again. Um, we'll each draft five. The draft order is going to go myself, then intern Gibble, then Jake, and then uh, Snake back and forth. We'll each pick five um, for the wide receivers. And if you give me one second, I'm unprepared for this. Uh, next episode, we're going to be doing defensive linemen. Um, we'll pick five of those as well. Uh, again, we're crafting a 35 man team here. Intern Gibble will, uh, probably win the vote with an awful squad. Uh, cause that's what continues to happen <laughs> <laughs> somehow. He's um, a thousand career receiving yards and they still don't win. Did I win the first one too? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I put a poll uh, for that one. Oh, okay. I don't think you did. Um, all right. So why don't we kick this into gear here? I'll start. Uh, number one, Randy Moss Marshall, uh, my favorite wide receiver of all time. Uh, dude was an absolute monster there uh, during Marshall's sort of transition from uh, the subdivision uh, up to the main division of college football. Um, so yeah, I'm taking Randy Moss here. There's a slam dunk. No duh. Number one for me. All right. I will take Megatron as my first one. Uh, Bolitnikoff award winner, ACC player of the year, both in 2006, um, two time first team, all American and all eight, a three time, all ACC. Um, just an absolute force to be reckoned with. Uh, so yeah, Megatron it is. 
All right, you're going to take that. I'm going to start off with Larry Fitzgerald. 2003 Heisman runner-up, Blitnikoff winner, Walter Camp winner, Big East Offensive Player of the Year, All-American first team, and has the number one retired at Pitt. In just two seasons, he had 2,600 yards and 34 touchdowns. He averaged an astonishing 16.6 yards per catch over his career and 18.2 yards per catch in his sophomore season. Uh, I believe he set the record for most consecutive games with a receiving touchdown. And since he had 34 in just 26 games, uh, it was incredible, especially since Pitt wasn't necessarily the best team around there. Um, His sophomore year, he had 93 catches. So he was the heart and soul of that offense, uh, just completely dominating the Big East that year. And for my second one, completely forgot that I was going back to back. Uh, Didn't really plan on this one as quick, taking this guy as early, but I'm going to go with Michael Crabtree. Uh, Michael Crabtree, two-time Bolitnikoff, a winner. Um, He had that super iconic catch against Texas to help them beat um, Texas when uh, Texas Tech had their miracle season. Um, in the process of looking up their act- his actual stats because I completely forgot to go twice in a row. But, like I said, two-time Blitnikoff <laughs> winner, pretty much an All-American all across the board. You name the wide receiver award he won it, uh, co-offensive freshman of the year, you twice you know, unanimous All-American, um, ended up going top 10 in the NFL draft, and then sitting out for a little while. Also owns just about every Texas Tech receiving record as well. All right, my second pick, I'm going to take Heisman Award winner Desmond Howard. It hurts to pick a Michigan fan, but when he's a Heisman winner, you kind of have to go for him. Um, Yeah, I don't know how much else you need to say. He won the Maxwell Award, Walter Camp Award as well. Um, Let's see, where were his stats? They disappeared. Uh yeah, he finished his career with 134 receptions for 2000 over 2000 yards and 32 touchdowns um and set the Michigan record for most touchdowns uh at 23 and uh points scored in a single season with 138. So, yep, Desmond Howard. <sighs> Jeez. If I don't if I don't win this vote this week, I think I'm quitting the podcast. Um it's my second pick finished ninth in the Heisman voting in 1984 from a little small little college uh, called Mississippi Valley State. I'm taking the greatest wide receiver of all time, Jerry Rice. I figured you would take um, him. Somehow falling to me here with pick six. I, I didn't put him on there because he was um, FCS. And I didn't. So what? It's because, Jerry Rice. <laughs> yeah, but lo- lesser competition. He played in the FCS and finished in the top 10 in the Heisman voting. Yeah, that's true. Went first round in the NFL draft. Was a dominant receiver in college. I don't care where he played. Randy Moss played barely anybody too in college. Um, when he was with Marshall, considering they were in that transition stage, didn't mean he wasn't dominant. Um, but yeah, Jerry Rice. Jerry, I got Randy Moss and Jerry Rice. I'm actually going to get one, two, and three on my big board here. Because next I'm going to take Justin Blackman from Oklahoma State. Uh, Absolute terror of a wide receiver. And because he busted as an NFL prospect, um, 
I think people kind of forget about it. I don't have his stats or anything here. You can look him up at home. Um, but I mean, the guy was an absolute beast. I believe he was a two-time Blitnikoff winner. Yeah, he was the second uh, one to do it. Just tore it up. Uh, if you want to watch Justin Blackman play football, vote for my pick for the next watch along, which is Stanford, Oklahoma State uh, Fiesta Bowl. Um, but yeah, I mean, the guy was a, a, an absolute monster at wide receiver. 3,500 yards, 40 State. touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, you just couldn't stop him. He was huge. And I think a lot of people just kind of forget about it because he did bust out in the NFL. But um, yeah, he was an absolute terror. So yeah, I'll take my one, two, and three here pretty easily. Uh, and my four still on the board, too. <laughs> yeah, that that was my next pick. Kind of hate it. <laughs> just you're going to figure something um, out, aren't you? I know. I, I guess we'll have to, I don't know, settle for Tory Holt. He was pretty good, I mm, think. I have um, him on my board, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot uh, you're a secret and, Rams fan. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, yeah, and it is a college career with 191 receptions for over 3,300 yards and 31 touchdowns. Um, college Football Hall of Famer, uh, Consensus All-American, ACC Player of the Year, ACC Offensive Player of the Year. Um, pretty much did it all for... NC State and you know ended up on my Rams <laughs> so for my next one I'm going to take Heisman Trophy winner Tim Brown wide receiver from Notre Dame first wide receiver to ever win uh, the Heisman Trophy winner did you have him on your board that was my number four guy on here all-american Heisman so, Trophy yeah. winner set 19 school records at Notre Dame uh, Hall of College Football Hall of Famer, you know, just did it all for Notre Dame as well because he also uh, had 442 career rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns as well, on top of averaging 21.7 yards per catch his senior year and 20.2 yards per catch his junior year. So just a big play guy as well. So for my fourth pick, I haven't taken a homer pick yet. So now my now's the chance for me to take my homer pick. I'm going to take Chris Carter, the guy who was robbed of his senior year because he decided he wanted to go sign with an agent. Uh, but Chris Carter set a Rose Bowl record his freshman year with nine receptions for 172 yards. Uh, was just an outstanding running back or wide receiver at Ohio State, um, known for his great hands. Um, pulling up his stats as we speak. But in a time when Ohio State still hadn't figured out actually how to throw the ball yet, he had 1,117 receiving yards as a junior and 11 touchdowns, uh, was an All-American. Just an absolute stud for Ohio State in the 80s. All right. My next pick here is Troy Edwards from Louisiana Tech. Oh, good one. Uh, You've never heard of him before today, have you? Well, yes, I did because I heard of him yesterday. So, oh. uh, <laughs> um, yeah, ended his college career with uh, over 4,300 yards uh, on 280 receptions, totaled 50 touchdowns, um, and also had six rushing touchdowns and 447 yards there. Um, in his senior season, had 27 touchdowns, which is currently the single season record. Uh, for touchdowns in college football. Um, yeah, 
don't know how much else you need to really say about him. Ended up uh, winning the Blitnikoff Award uh, and Paul Warfield Trophy as well and was a consensus All-American. All right. Uh, let me go ahead and round this out here. Um, we'll go down my board a bit with my fourth pick. Um, hate to give some shine to Florida State here. Uh, but I'm going to take Peter Work. Um, helped lead uh, Florida State to a national championship in the late 1990s. Uh, was unguardable. Um, at wide receiver also returned uh, kicks and punts. So that's an added benefit I'll get here with this pick is that I, I have my return man after you guys have Howard and Tim Brown, which were good picks. Um, but yeah, I'll take Peter Warwick here. Um, uh, an elite level wide receiver in the college level. Uh, another guy who unfortunately busted out a bit in the NFL uh, once he got up there. Uh, and with my last pick, I'm just going to go completely off my board here. Uh, there's a couple of names on here. I like, uh, but I feel pretty confident enough in the rest of my squad that I'll uh, move down and I'll just take Andre Johnson from Miami. Uh, I'll get my homer pick in here. Um, uh, helped uh, lead that 2001 Hurricanes team to a national championship. Uh, was a dominant receiver also in the NFL. Uh, a dominant receiver at Miami. Uh, top uh, top NFL draft pick once he got there as well. Uh, so I'll take Andre Johnson around on my squad. Oh, yeah, I don't... Uh, I wasn't prepared for this. My last pick here... Did you run out of people? You weren't you weren't no. prepared to draft no, wide just, receivers. I have I just have too many names left on my board. Um, that I'm not like I'm not positive who I want here. I think we're just gonna take Ryan Broyles from Oklahoma. You, Let's go oh. <laughs> no, you made me audible here. You made me audible. Perfect. That went better than expected. <laughs> uh, he ended his college career with um, over 4,500 yards and 45 touchdowns. Um, senior year kind of dropped off a little bit. Ended up, um, he's currently second all-time uh, in FBS career receptions with 349 and second in receiving yards with over 4,500. Uh, he's a consensus all-American and first team all big 12 back-to-back years. So Ryan Burles, it is. Well, I was planning on taking him and now we have to audible. Here. <laughs> this went well, ironically, he was also my pick before I was like, screw it. I'm just taking the Homer selection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what if I told you I was going to take somebody from Michigan state? I wouldn't be surprised. I think we're going to take another NFL bus. Yes, we are going to take another NFL bus. We're going to take Charles Rogers here. Charles Rogers had 2,800 yards and 27 touchdowns in just two seasons. 2002, unanimous All-American. Blitnikoff winner in 02, two-time All-Big Ten. Obviously, he did, you know, next to nothing in the NFL. He was a part of those Lions receivers who really didn't pan out other than Calvin Johnson. Uh, But in college, he was an absolute stud. You know, Michigan State, who's never been known for playing offense ever. And this guy had 67 and 68 receptions and had more than 1,300 yards and at least 13 touchdowns in both of his seasons 
at Michigan State. Uh, guy was an absolute stud. Actually selected ahead of Andre Johnson in the NFL draft because the Lions thought he was better. In college, he was, I would say. But absolute stud. Um, helped Michigan State stay semi-relevant. Uh, had Jeff Smoker throwing him the ball of all people and still managed to get that many yards against Big Ten defenses who had still actually been playing solid defense through the early 2000s. All right, there you have it, folks. Uh, Intern Gibble will put out a uh, graphic again, uh, and we'll let you guys vote on it. I feel like it's pretty obvious who, who has the best We've squad. We've this the last two weeks, and he still wins. Hey. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to happen. Somebody's going to look. Somebody's going to look at my list and see Randy Moss and Jerry Rice and say, mm, nah. <laughs> An Oklahoma fan base is going to find it, and Ryan Burroughs is going to run away with it. Yep. That's it. Uh, the one Louisiana Tech fan we have is going to be like, oh, Troy Edwards, let me spread this across uh, <laughs> Shreveport. Who else did you guys uh, have on your list? What's Who else that? did you guys have left on your list? Uh, I had, I closed the thing already, but I, I had, I believe Fred Bolitnikoff I had on there. Um, Jared Dillard was number 15 on my big board from too. Rice. Um a lot of people forget how great he was. Um, I'm trying to think of who else I had on there. Uh, I had Braylon Edwards, Sean Johnson, others. and Rocket Ishmael. Oh, yeah. I did have Braylon Edwards. Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to put yeah, say Rocket think- Ishmael just to see if Gibble could figure out how to say his real name. Oh, I did see that name. <laughs> I didn't have it on my list. First name. Yeah, I couldn't have done it. We know. All right. Well, that'll be coming to you guys later on um, in the week. Um, Stay tuned again. We'll be doing defensive linemen in two weeks on our next episode. Uh, Again, five of those. Uh, Anyway, uh, Jake, do we have listener questions? Yeah. How weird do you want to start with these? Do you want to start with like a normal question or like get kind of weird to start? Just whatever the questions are. Let uh, let the cards fall where they lie. From Myers, uh, Zach Myers. What are your favorite color socks? <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Uh, <laughs> gray. Gibble. Um see, I like the socks that I have that have golf courses on them. So I have Muirfield and the 16th hole at uh the waste management. So Nobody they're primarily green and blue. <laughs> My favorite stocks are the Atlanta Braves ones that you got me when you were down in uh, Atlanta. So those are my favorite ones. They're red and blue. Nice. I mean, if we're, yeah, I mean, if we're talking uh, not just base socks, then yeah, I have, um, uh, stance put out star Wars ones a couple, like a year ago that I ended up buying. There are a variety of different colors, obviously, but those are, my go-tos. I also have AI uh, Hall of Fame socks that are uh, black, red, and gold, which I like a lot. Um, all right, let's get back to like a right. semi-normal question. <laughs> let's, let's go back to college. You talk about please. socks all day. <laughs> Alton Dills wants to know about Nebraska. He says, why do you think Nebraska gets uh, such hype in the beginning of the season when they've had so much hype and the expectation they just become mediocre? Uh I think this is 
A, due to the fact that they play in the weaker side of the Big Ten, um, where I feel like people think that they could probably get to that uh, championship game. Uh, I also think it's because Scott Frost was so good at UCF that they just think that one of these years they have to break out, um, especially with Adrian Martinez there, which a lot of people love. Um, But uh, yeah, and also maybe I think there's like a little part of it that's like people want Nebraska to be good again um, because they're such a national name in terms of their history. Uh, So I think, that also kind of plays into it as well. Uh, you see it a lot, obviously, with Tennessee, Texas, those schools too. I mean, where they kind of get that overhype because of their history, um, even if they aren't particularly great or deserve it. Uh, we haven't seen it recently, but it's it's I I consider it the Notre Dame factor, where it's like here's a national name, maybe they're not great, but because they're a name, they're going to go above, you know, an equal team like. In the case of like Nebraska, you might look at like a North Carolina or something like that. That's maybe better, but not a national name on the football landscapes. Yeah, I I think I'd agree with that. I they Adrian Martinez was just way overhyped. I think he was a sophomore this past year, right? So this was his second season. Yes. Um, I think his first season didn't he? He played relatively well, and people thought he was just going to improve. People were throwing his name around as a potential Heisman watch at the beginning of the season. And then, I don't know, maybe the pressure got to him and he just kind of crumbled under it. Um, but like, I feel like that, I feel like Nebraska did have a lot of promise coming into this past season. Um, and I think a his, the history of them does come into play with that. Like Scott Frost will hype them up as well. Uh, again, he did a really good job at UCF. So coming in, they expected that to translate into Nebraska right away, um, which it just didn't. I think that they're still lacking something there. Um, but again, the the Western side of the Big Ten is kind of up for grabs every year. Um, Wisconsin is typically the favorite to win it, but you never know if like Nebraska or Iowa or whoever or Minnesota is going to come in and kind of ruffle things up and surprise one of these years and make it to that big 10 championship. Yeah, I agree with you guys. So I think there's just the history of there as well, that there is the expectation that they'll be back at some point and everybody's just hoping that we'll be back sooner rather than later. So the next question is from Myers here as well. This one's actually a little bit more normal. He said he'd like to know Good. how we think Mike Leach will do at Mississippi State over the next three seasons. Uh, if I had to guess, uh, I'd say probably the same as he does everywhere else. I imagine probably seven, eight, maybe nine wins. Um, and I think that's that's pretty much the ceiling in Mississippi State in general. Maybe you hit ten wins uh, occasionally, but yeah, I imagine he'll probably do similar to what he's been doing at Washington State and uh, Texas Tech before that. Yeah, Mississippi State, your ceiling is really ten wins, eleven if you're really lucky and you get it in a bowl game. But Mississippi State's never going to be more than like really an eight and four, nine and three team consistently if they have talent, just because. 
who you're playing every year is impossible to continue to win all those games. You're guaranteed to play Auburn and Alabama and LSU and Texas A&M every time. And then you're going to have crossover games. I don't know who their man, who their crossover game is guaranteed every year, but occasionally it's going to be Georgia or Florida. And those six teams, you have to win four of them potentially to just get to 10 wins. You know, if it's just your SEC West teams, you still have to win two out of four of them and beating two of them consistently is is not impossible, but it's extremely difficult to do on a consistent basis. Yeah, I'd agree that he's got a very big uphill battle in that conference. It's just that gauntlet of, of who you just mentioned, Jake is winning four games out of those six is just, it's a huge ask. Um, I don't know if in the next like three years, how much of his players are going to get in there. I think turning into more of an air raid team, like he does, uh, I think that'll, that can help them. Um, SEC, it tends to be more ground and pound. Um, but I think, I think that that'll, that'll make it different. Um, and should open up at least a little bit more possibility for him. Um, but I still don't think the expectation of winning four out of those six games is a realistic one to set. If, if you're setting an expectation for him, um, I think you could expect two. like, if you want to kind of really set a bar for him, just expect him to win two of those, those six, um, to, to start like gaining steam. Um, but I think it'll be a bit for that Mississippi state team. I don't think, I don't think that's going to be a consistent thing coming from Mike Leach and that team. So the one thing is their crossover game that they have every year, their crossover rivalry is Kentucky. So at least they have that where it's, it's not Georgia or Florida. They get Kentucky and then somebody else from the East. So if they can get lucky on a couple of years and draw Vanderbilt or Missouri or Tennessee when they suck, which is a lot of, which is most years instead of, you know, a Florida or Georgia that helps them for sure. So his next question is since Myers had like 85 questions is will Cole McDonald McDonald ever start an NFL game? Uh, I hope so. I would have said no a week ago because I thought Cole McDonald was going to be the greatest XFL quarterback of all time. (laughs) So for that, (laughs) That's out the window. Uh, it's I'll say yes, because I feel like some team's going to take a flyer on him, uh, and maybe he lucks into starting a game. Uh, we just saw David Blau, the former Purdue quarterback, start a game. I would have never thought he'd end up getting one. Duck Hodges went undrafted um, and started games this year. Yeah. Duck Hodges from FCS school. Yeah. I mean, uh, Sure. Um, uh, I'll say yes, but I it's really a 50-50 question because it depends on where he ends up. Um, but I do think a team will end up drafting him in the sixth or seventh round uh, because he's an interesting prospect. I don't think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback, but I can see him getting at least one start in the NFL. Sure. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. All the random guys who end up starting a game in week 16 or 17 you know, on flyers or whatnot, I don't know. Sure. Maybe he starts a game in a year or two just because 
people were injured or guys arresting. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he gets drafted by, you know, say the Eagles and then Carson Wentz inevitably gets injured and not talk that negatively. Uh, <laughs> Come on now. It's not negative. He's just telling you what's, what's going to happen because it happens every year. It happens every Listen, year. Gilbert. I Let's know. Just face the facts. I know. And I hate um, it. the leaves changing. Carson Wentz gets injured. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's a possibility there. Um, it just really depends on where he ends up, I guess, but sure. So Nick Rodriguez asked, who scares you in the Big Ten? And I clarified this because he means pretty much other than Ohio State, the obvious contenders. He's really thinking, like, who's who's an up-and-coming team in the Big Ten that you think could make some noise? So you can probably eliminate Penn State and Michigan out of that as well. Um. Okay, that stinks. Uh, my actual answer to this question is – uh, Ohio State the Saturday after Thanksgiving every year. Um, <laughs> that, that's the Big Ten team that scares me. They're uh, a different monster. Every other week, every other week, don't care about them. But uh, <laughs> except for that one, um, yeah, I don't. Ohio State plays average a bunch of weeks up there, and then just looks like they're an unstoppable machine against Michigan. None of them scare me. Uh, Minnesota's offense should still be decent. They lose Tyler Johnson, um, but they have Rashad Bateman, who's probably going to be a first-round wide receiver next year. Tanner Morgan's back at quarterback. Um, They do lose a couple key defensive uh, pieces with Antoine Winfield Jr. and Kamal Martin. Um, I mean, I think they'll be good again. One to keep an eye on is Purdue. Uh, Rondell Moore, who missed almost the entirety of last season, comes back. Uh, I want to say, I forget the other David wide receiver's Bell. name, but he was David. Yes. Uh, I was. I knew it was like a former MLB player's name. I just can put, uh, put my finger on it. But um, yeah, so they'll have two talented wide receivers there at Purdue. Um uh, Kind of an off season again, that missing your key playmaker uh, and a bunch of other injuries last year kind of derailed their season, but they could pull a big upset. But outside of that, I'm, I don't necessarily see anybody else that's going to make that scares me. Um, Wisconsin will probably reload and be decent again. They'll uh, find a running back. Yeah. I mean, they probably have three guys that nobody's ever heard of. That'll all be really good. So uh, they'll have that. Uh, but yeah, uh, outside of that, nobody really scares me in the Big Ten. I know I joke about them, but I actually think Indiana could be, you know, pretty decent this year <sighs> because I they were playing with Peyton Ramsey all last year, who wasn't supposed to start, and they still won eight games, nearly won nine. If Tennessee didn't decide to screw it up for the entire country, just had to ruin it all for us, Tennessee. Thanks, but Michael Penix returns. Michael Penix is probably going to be in the upper half of Big Ten quarterbacks this year. Re- really talented quarterback, uh, mobile. I could see him um, playing really well and leading Indiana to a pretty good season. The problem for them is there's almost no chance that they beat either Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State. They're going to need to get really lucky, get some bounces to go their way, because the other three teams are just straight up more talented. So they got to beat Michigan State, Maryland, Rutgers, and then whoever they have in the West, and then win their non-conference games to really have a chance to get ranked again because the other three teams in the East are just straight up better and more dominant than them. 
Yeah, Indiana was going to be my pick. I'm not sure how much of their, how many of their players they they lose to the NFL this year or graduating. Indiana players um, don't go to the NFL. Yeah, that, that's why I said or graduating. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I think they gave Penn State a pretty good fight towards the end of the season. Um, I think they kept it close for the majority of the game, and then it might have gotten a little bit out of hand at the end. I take I that back. They right. play they play Penn State very close, like more often than not. Yeah, and this year it's going to be no. They were at Penn State or they were at Indiana last year. I think I'm not sure. I think if it's at Indiana, uh, <laughs> look for them to to pull off an upset. Um, that's a really early Hot bowl take. prediction. Yep, yep. I'm holding to it now. Um, I wouldn't say Nebraska. We literally just talked about how they get overhyped, um, but. They, uh, I think Minnesota is another one that kind of could be, they, they're, they're up, up and coming. They obviously almost won the West last year. So I think they, uh, yeah, I think those, those are kind of my two that could be really good. Well, they start the season off at Wisconsin, so that's not good, but then they have Western Kentucky ball state and they go on the road to UConn. So they should win all three of their non-conference games. They go to Ohio State, they get Penn State at home, and they go to Michigan. So they'd have to beat one of Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State to make it to nine wins. Yeah. And not lose to any of the other teams. It's a tall ask. Very. Very. Let's see. So Myers had Um, one more in here. Do you have something you want to say? Quick. To go back real fast, uh, is can you confirm is Michael Penix this year's Hunter Johnson for you? Yes. <laughs> okay, lock that yes. in. So guaranteed, not that a he's great sign, Indiana fans. He is going to get benched by week three. <laughs> he will play poorly okay. against UConn and get benched. All right. Maybe Hunter Johnson Carry will be on. good this year. Now that I'm not on his bandwagon. <sighs> You still have plenty of time. He was a five-star quarterback that literally fell off the face of the earth. Well, he didn't fall off the face of the earth. Going to Northwestern is pretty much just falling got off the face Trevor of the Lawrence. Earth. He was a five-star quarterback and had to transfer to Northwestern. He, another another I, rant, another day. I mean, also uh, now Northwestern. Myers has, asked for the uh, best stadium Ramsey, food, so. best football watching snack, and best football watching beer. Inter- uh, all right. Well, again, folks, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode uh, doing a defensive lineman draft and stay tuned. If you're subscribed to us, you'll get the episode on Wednesday morning, our draft special with intern Gibble and myself. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, and we will be back in two weeks. Uh, we'll see you then.